We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Ravens Vault. I am Sarah Ellison, and I am not here with my usual co-host and partner, Bobby Trossett. He is out of pocket, but we just had to get out an instant reaction to the news today. Uh, the Ravens announced that they did not come to a long-term contract extension with uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, just got lots to break down here. So to do so, I have brought in a man that I have much respect for. I've met him on Twitter, been interacting several times throughout the years. This is the first time we're speaking one-on-one. Please welcome in Skeptic Goat. You may know him. He's already out there. Skep, thanks so much for joining me on short notice. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, Skip, why don't you tell people where they can find you just so that they know going forward. I know you got lots of things going on, and then we'll jump into Lamar. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at SkeptiGoat. Um, what I have going on is uh, a whole bunch of nothing, but I do have a podcast uh, <laughs> with uh, my, my good friend, uh, Noko. You can find her on Twitter at, uh, at Noko Talks. That's N-O-C-O Talks at noco talks and the show that we have together is skep and noco talk so uh we don't talk about ravens all the time we just rarely talk about that but we talk about a bunch of other things but uh interesting conversation between two friends on a wide range of subjects but uh that's all i have going on well good i hope everybody checks them out and while you may not talk all the time on the ravens uh like i said skep has a great football mind he uh, was a college quarterback, so clearly knows what he's talking about when it comes to football. So what I'll do right now, Skep, is just for those that don't are not on Twitter and get news every two seconds <laughs> like many of us here that are covering the, the Ravens daily, uh, I want to go ahead and read the statement that Eric DaCosta put out, uh, just put out some of the facts, and then we'll jump into the analysis. Uh, so here we go. This is the statement from... General Manager Eric DeCosti, he said, despite best efforts on both sides, we were unable to reach a contract extension with Lamar Jackson. We greatly appreciate how he handled this process, and we are excited about our team with Lamar leading the way. We will, we will continue to work towards a long-term contract after the season, but for now, we are looking forward to a successful 2022 campaign close quote on that. So that means that Jackson 
is now set to play this season on his fifth and final year of his rookie contract. That was an option year, which will pay him $23 million. And then just in terms of, we don't know for absolute fact if this is all true, but there have been reports just so that you have it in your mind that the Ravens offered a deal better than Kyle Murray. Kyle Murray just got a contract last month. Uh, and then after Russell Wilson, Josina Anderson had reported that the Ravens improved their offer to Lamar. So whether that's true or not, we do know that offers have been there. Lamar, it wasn't to Lamar's liking. So this is where we're at. Skip, tell tell me what do you think? What are some kind of some off the top thoughts on these two sides not coming to agreement before week one? Well, before I get into my thoughts, I will uh, address the actual statement uh, that was put out there. And I will say this, the one thing that I will 100% believe in that statement that was released is that they are looking forward to a successful 2022 campaign. So Mm. that isn't just, that isn't them just blowing smoke. Uh, That's definitely on the menu. Uh, But, you know, we've talked before and as I, I, I always like to do, I like to be honest. And honestly, I got my fan side of my brain and I have my more rational side of my brain. And you also know this about me, that the rational side is where I choose to live most of the time, but I do fall victim to being a fan. Uh, And as a fan, man, I'm disappointed. It would have been nice. It would have made me feel so much more comfortable coming into the season if I knew that was out of the way and we could just focus on football. But that wasn't a B. And so now... Uh, the rational side is I'm not surprised. Uh, there was writing on the wall that this may be a little bit more challenging to get done. And uh, at times it appeared as if uh, Lamar Jackson specifically wasn't as motivated to get it done as maybe some of the fans uh, wanted him to be. And, you know, he's a different guy. He does things a different way. And, you know, that goes all the way back to his high school and collegiate days, uh, his non-performance uh, at the combine with regards to running a 40 or uh, doing wide receiver drills. He does things his own way and him and his camp have taken those risks and they've come out on the other side, the victors more often than the losers. So I don't fault him for uh, believing in himself and his camp and doing things his own way uh, as usual. So that's where I am with it. Yeah, yeah, that's that is interesting. You know, you you pointed out that he he may not have been motivated. That does remind me back to like when the off season first was around, and I I think it was around draft the draft week when Eric DaCosta and the front office kind of do a draft preview, and Eric said, "Hey, we're gonna go at Lamar's pace." That you know Lamar didn't seem ready to talk back then, and then once they did enter into it, so but I like the way you set that up with like two two kind of different parts of who you are. I think that's everybody, right? We're, we're always, all of us are, are made up of different parts. And I kind of look at it from, you know, a coverage point of view that I'm just, you know, do not want to keep doing this. <laughs> I definitely, it's just every little thing is read into, whether it's like, you know, how he responds to draft picks. It's like what he's retweeting. It's what he's liking. It's all this kind of stuff. Like everything is analyzed to the nth degree and you know that's what we do that's what we cover it's a big deal but it's it just it would have been nice like you said to just have it done have it in the rearview window and then just do you know worry about the 2022 season um that being said i i feel like <clears throat> i feel like 
whenever there's contract negotiations, uh, there tends to be a, a, a reaction where there's polarizing reactions making it seem like Lamar, and it's not just Lamar, you can take any free agent in any team, but in this case, that's who we're talking about, where it's like Lamar and the Ravens are at odds with each other. And I guess there's truth to that to a certain point because they are both looking out for their self-interest as they should, as every human being does, as every business does, that's what you do. So, but, but just because they're doing that doesn't mean that, that they don't want to be with each other or that they don't like each other or that there's some sort of rift in the relationship. I have gotten zero indication that Lamar's feelings are hurt or that Lamar's ticked off. I've gotten zero indication that the Ravens are ticked off. Do they both want what they want? Of course. But these two sides, and this is where they're unique. I already knew that the Ravens were unique in this way. They kind of go about contracts in their own own way. And veteran after veteran, people that leave just constantly praise the Ravens for how they go about things. And so with Lamar, this is the first time I've seen him go through a negotiation process, and he's unique also. Both of them are just straight-up pros. Both of them are like, this is our business. I'm going to give you as little information as I can, and we're going to talk with each other, and we're not going to negotiate through the media or social media. And so every once in a while, Lamar will troll us and like a tweet, you know, that has him in in like a Dolphins uniform. But that's just him trolling us for overreading it, right? So in no way do I feel like these two sides are that the relationship has taken a hit because of this. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And so him liking a tweets, there actually could be some truth to it, but it's not as nefarious and as concerning as people make it out to be. I mean, the guy's from South Florida. The idea of seeing himself in a Miami Dolphins uniform might actually be kind of cool to him. You know, that's not a stretch. Doesn't mean he's going to play for them. Uh, There's a lot of guys in the NFL that are Cowboys fans, but don't play for the Cowboys, collecting checks from other teams. That part, it doesn't concern me at all. Uh, It's easy to make fun of things and to to mess with the emotions of people on social media because oftentimes (laughs) when people log on to social media, they're showing up with their emotions. Right. Uh, but I'll say this to you, Sarah, if there were two sides to my reaction to the non-agreement reached, um, I'll say this. There's also two sides to a negotiation or two parts that have to be considered. Uh, there's the value that both parties need to be well aware of entering yep. that negotiation. And then there's the protection of their brand and and their business moving forward once that contract is ratified and ultimately signed uh this is a situation where you have two parties both of them are about their business both of them are very professional uh both of them don't like their business being leaked out into the streets and so it's a perfect storm for all of us who love to be nosy who want to know who want a little bit more information who who want to know what's happening behind closed doors they're not going to give us that and we have to accept that and if we're being honest Lamar has never given us any indications that he was going to be that way in his negotiation with the Ravens. And the Ravens definitely have shown us that they weren't going to be that way as well. So it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, and I also want to put out there, you know, on this idea of like, um, you know, trying to demonize one side or the other. Right. Because uh, I've seen people do both. Well, the Ravens are idiots. Eric, Eric DeCosta, this is going to ruin his legacy. And mm-hmm. and I do think this Lamar Jackson 
negotiation will be a major part of his legacy. Uh, but I think it's too soon to call anybody dumb. Right. And so and then because then you'll see other people who say, well, Lamar Jackson's dumb because he's he's, you know, going out there and risking his body and this and that. So I just want to say this, that both sides, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens front office, these are grown men. These are grown men. And they if you don't think that they are acutely aware of the risks that they're taking by not agreeing to a deal, you just be wrong. Jackson, Lamar, Lamar knows the injury risk. He knows the risks out there. And the Ravens, I've heard Steve Bashotti say it in many interviews. He'll break Skep, the league, down by saying the league is full of two types of franchises. You've got a franchise who has a quarterback, and you've got franchises who are looking for quarterbacks. And Steve Bashotti has been all over the place with quarterbacks. He's lived through Kyle Bowler. He lived with Joe Flacco, got a Super Bowl, and then went into mediocrity. And then he's got now this just electric generational quarterback who is a Super Bowl, excuse me, who is a unanimous league MVP. And so he knows what it's like to be in all those places. So he he understands the risk. And so I just feel like I want to treat them like grown men and say they know the risks. Their eyes are wide open. And maybe, maybe one of them, one of the sides will end up regretting it. But, but they won't, but they'll know, they'll know that that's a chance. They know that's a chance. And so um, I don't think anybody's dumb. I don't think any, no, I think these guys, both sides are making calculated risks because they think in the long run, it'll serve their interests best yeah no doubt uh that whole dumb thing that's a rear view mirror observation you can't predict that uh yeah. it's sports uh people who have these these proclamations about draft picks when it's their first year in the nfl and they've already deemed that these guys just aren't going to make it well in some extreme cases you can see that a guy's got a, an uphill battle to be who he's supposed to be in the NFL. But a lot of times you just never know how things are going to shake out. And in a situation like this, you're not only dealing with a generational quarterback. You're, you're not just dealing with a generational NFL talent. You're dealing with a generational personality. Well, the good thing is, is that Bashadi seen one of those before in a Ray Lewis and he saw it again in an Ed Reed. Mm. And so those two guys existed at the same time on the same team. And when you deal with, personalities like that, talents like that, positional talents like that, then sometimes it almost feels like they're bigger than the game. Sometimes it feels like they're bigger than their team and the ownership and everyone else. And that could be humbling. That could be a challenge because we know that there are egos involved all over the place. And to what degree they display them is where you see the differences. But you better manage that. You better not step on the toes of those huge personalities because there could be consequences for it. And so, yeah, Bashadi, uh, EDC, Harbaugh, they all have to proceed with caution, if you will, in how they deal with Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson also has to understand he has to proceed with caution in dealing with an organization like the Ravens because this storied franchise with all the respect it has, if you do wrong by that franchise, and it could be a stain on your record as well. And so it goes both ways. Yeah, it, it definitely does. So I kind of want to pose this question to you then. So in my view, I look at what each side, you know, has to risk. So 
from the Ravens' point of view, <laughs> they lose, as you said, losing this unique, dynamic, generational player. He's only 25. He's 37-12 and 12 as a starter. As I said, he's a league MVP. He's somebody, Skep, that the Ravens have never had at the quarterback position, which is that he can throw a team on his back. And we saw that. We saw that last season when, you know, basically everybody's injured. Basically all the other stars are injured. And Lamar's got this team at number one in the AFC come December. He's the only player in NFL history with over 80 total touchdowns before the age of 24. Like, that, to me, if I'm an owner, is like, I can't lose that. I don't want to lose that. But then on Lamar's side, he's risking, obviously, injury. Now, that some people feel like that's overblown. Dak Prescott, you know, still got, a uh, at the time, a historic contract after he blew his uh, knee out. Um, but, but he is, um, risking earning power and security. Uh, but both of them, I feel like everybody always, you know, argues about leverage. The fact that both of them are willing to risk what they're going to lose is their leverage. You know, the fact that they're willing to risk those things is their leverage. And it's like, who's going to flinch first, you know? So, so, so Skip, here's my question to you. They both have a lot to risk. Who has more to risk? Mm. Well, that's a great question. Um, I think it, a lot of people will probably think that that the Ravens uh, would be the ones with the biggest risk because I just said generational talent. I just said generational personality and all that good stuff and everything else. And those types of guys don't come along that often. Mm-mm. But, But no matter what happens, the Ravens will field a football team. And because of the many personalities and bright minds that exist in the building, they will put together a team that at the very least will be functional. We could assume that that's safe. Even without a general generational talent on the roster, they will be functional. Um, but Lamar Jackson as a player with a finite amount of time that he can play this game, he's on the clock. He's on the clock. And not only is he on the clock just career wise, he was doubted coming out of high school, going to college. He was doubted coming out in draft. And a lot of people didn't even think he would be playing the quarterback position. They dang sure didn't think he'd be MVP. And even after his MVP, they doubted him. And so he is fighting for acknowledgement. I will not say respect because I think he has it from his peers. And the people who haven't given it to him up to this point aren't going to give it to him. But the acknowledgement that he wants is that he is a champion that his style of play is good enough to win on the highest stage. And that's really the only acknowledgement he wants. I don't think he's interested in all the other stuff. But in order for Lamar Jackson to do that, as great as he is on his own, and and just honestly, to show you how great he is, this man last year with all those people that were out, injured, and everything else, yes, like you said, number one in the AFC. But he did that while not being a finished product. This isn't Peyton Manning we're talking about, and he probably will never be that type of a passer. But even with the deficiencies he has in his game, he still is that good that he had that team number one AFC. But with all of those things that he's capable of as an individual talent, it's still a team game. And you have to be connected to the right team if you're going to be able to make them 
force them, demand that they acknowledge you as a champion. And he knows that. So the bigger risk is with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I definitely thought you were going to say the Ravens had the bigger risk because, you know, the the supply doesn't meet the demand of good <laughs> NFL quarterbacks. You know what I mean? And so it's like, but I agree with you because, I mean, look, at the end of the day, the Ravens are – their history is that they are a great franchise uh, – I think they're number four, tied for number four since they came into existence for the most Super Bowls since 1996. They've got two. Obviously, Patriots beat them. I believe Denver beats them. And then I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember there's one other team that beats them. But they're, they're right there. And whenever people talk about them, they're like, oh, first-class organization, first-class organization. So with or without Lamar, I think eventually they'll have their down years, but the but as you said, the Ravens will be successful. At the same time, Lamar Jackson, I feel like with or without the Ravens, would be successful. He's he's that good. So no doubt. So okay. So then, knowing that there's only a handful of quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, knowing and when I say like him, I'm not talking about his style. I'm talking about being able to carry a team to I think a Super Bowl. He hasn't done it yet, but I think he can. And knowing that the Ravens are one of the first class organizations in the NFL man Skep, a, a marriage only makes sense <laughs> it only makes sense they'll be fine without each other but oh, yeah. it, it it just makes so much sense and and the way they go about their business makes sense to me um the, the to 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 have not only an electric quarterback but a quarterback who can be your, the face of your franchise I mean, you look at Deshaun Watson you look at some other quarterbacks and it's just like you can be proud of Lamar you can be proud of him he talks about humility he talks about team he talks about um you know putting God first and not everybody has the same beliefs as him but it just it grounds him and so like that's why I was just like I don't know is is there listen both will be fine but I sometimes wonder if the Ravens have more risk. But I do see what you're saying because the Ravens are part of the machine. They're part of this big institution that's already built, this NFL institution that's already built. So they're going to move forward. Lamar has this small window, and he's alone. Sarah, last time I checked, they hold a draft every spring. Not for owners, not for, not for franchises. They have a draft for players. They get a new batch of players every year. So even the right. best that you've ever seen lace them up, they get replaced. There are some owners that have outlay, outlasted decades worth of players. And so, heck yeah, the risk is going to be more with the player because if you end up in the wrong situation and you use the term marriage and I'm careful with my words, I like to measure my words because they do matter. I won't say that the Ravens and Lamar are good for each other because that almost assumes they need each other like they couldn't mm -hmm. exist without the other uh and you even said they both would be great without the other mm -hmm. but they are amazing with each other mm -hmm. and and yes there are some holes on the roster yes there's some things that could be better uh wide receiver position more solidified outside linebacker more solidified left guard or whatever more solidified offensive line overall but even with all of that Man, when though when the Ravens and Lamar Jackson meet, they are good with each other. Mm. 
That is a pairing that is exciting to watch. That is a pairing that you root for, even if you're not a Ravens fan. And when you can find something like that, where even the people outside who don't want to love at the very least like what you have going on, man, you got to hang on to that as long as possible. All right. So, Skip, let's let's think about kind of like the next steps here. So, as you said, and I'll tell you right now, I'm so over the coverage of this for now. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to come back to it <laughs> at the end of the season. But this is going to be like – this has got to be like my last podcast on this. I mean, I mean, I guess Lamar is going to have a reaction, so I'm going to have to cover that. But after Lamar's got his reaction, like I'm just done with the contract, and I'm I'm just like I'm moving towards football. That's that's what I want to do. That's what I want to follow the Ravens and Lamar's lead, and just have some self control and focus on football, and get rid of you know the emotions behind it, and let's and let's get to football. So, but but we're not quite there yet what is next? So we're going to focus on football for the season. Then the next step, the Ravens will have to make a choice by March 7th. That's the last day that they can apply the franchise tag. So if the Ravens were to apply the exclusive franchise tag, and so for those that don't know, there's an exclusive franchise and then a non-exclusive. If it's not exclusive, you can offer them a deal, but um, other teams can offer them deals. And then the Ravens have a choice to either match that deal or they get two first-round picks from said team that, that Lamar uh, decides to make a deal with. It would be a first-round pick one year and then a first-round pick the next year. So I don't think the Ravens would even risk that. So I'm going to give you the exclusive franchise tag numbers. Uh, for 2023, that number would be $45.4 million as it stands right now. Uh, then they could have a choice to franchise tag him a second time after that. And that right now stands at 54.4 million in 2024. Now that 45 million tag number could come down a little bit, um, but would have to, it would have to happen before that March 7th. So if teams restructure their current quarterbacks and try to push money back, which I'm sure some of them will, um, that could bring down, uh, the franchise tag number. If other quarterbacks are signed between now and March 7th, I don't think that'll make the franchise tag go higher because again, teams push money back. So Scott, my question to you is, do you feel like the Ravens do that? Do you feel like they would apply the franchise tag and then go from there? Yeah, I, I think Sarah, I think the, the exclusive franchise tag is the no brainer part of it. Um, that they they have to. They, I don't think they have another choice in the situation. But when you brought up the fact that that number could potentially get brought down some, I think that could create a sticking point for Lamar Jackson in his camp if that moves the franchise tag number down lower uh, than what they're willing to accept uh, as far as looking at his value to this team, to this league. Uh, so, and, and then it also might create a situation where the sharks start to circle because they realize, Oh, this situation is more vulnerable than what we even thought. And uh, we're interested. We're willing to offer pick after pick uh, in order to, to get a chance to get Lamar Jackson on our team. So if that number drops too low, I think that could create a situation where Lamar Jackson is forced to uh, consider whether or not he forces the Ravens hands and ask them for a trade. Now, I don't know how far that would 
would fall. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like it'd be more than a, a couple million, but I mean, who knows? It's, it's the average of the top five. So we'll see if those get restructured. So explain to me how you feel like Lamar could force the Ravens hand. Um, I, I, I don't think it is a stretch to say that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have a, at the very least, a very respectful relationship with each other. I think both yes. parties uh, appreciate and, 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 you know, in some ways admire how the other side does business. But Lamar Jackson's equity that he's built up with the Ravens would allow him to be able to walk into the office of Bashadi, EDC, Harbs, whoever, and say, hey, I love being here. I love what we have done with each other. But if this just isn't to be, I ask that you let me out. Don't hold me hostage here allow me to go somewhere else and you all can move forward. You could do things you want to, the way you want to do it, but just without me in, in your, in your plans. And so uh, he could make that request because he has that type of equity with the team. And there's a history of them actually entertaining that type of conversation uh, with lesser players. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. So you've got Orlando Brown jr. These are just recent ones. Hayden Hurst uh, and Hollywood Brown. So you're right. They definitely have done that. So would does it make them more or less likely to honor that when it's not a lesser player and it's a franchise QB, I wonder. But as you've said though, the Ravens don't the Ravens don't want people around that don't want to be around, if that makes sense. Like yeah. if you don't want to be here, okay, got you. Um that being said, I still feel like if that were the case then uh, they would still franchise tag them <laughs> and oh, yeah. start going out to to bidders and say, all right, who's got the best bids in terms of draft capital? And then uh, and then you can try to make, you know, a deal, a deal with Lamar. So uh, like there's just there's just as you said, it's a no brainer because there's no there is no option for the Ravens just to let him go as a free agent. So you can bet both Lamar and the Ravens have already thought through these situations we're talking about and ones we're not even thinking of. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so the Ravens, they would have to be – I'm not saying the Ravens want to trade Lamar. I know you're not saying that, the, that not Lamar wants to what, leave. I want to make sure it's very clear. Yeah. I am not even saying that that's highly likely that they do right. that. Just right. Just talking about right, what's right, possible. Right. Just, just talking about what's possible. and. But, but that's a good exercise because then you know, it lets you know that that's why it's so likely. The, the Ravens are not letting him walk in free agency. It's not going to happen. Either they're going to get their franchise quarterback locked up long term or they're going to get massive assets for him. Period. There's there's no other way around it. So, um, I, you know, I want to go back to one other thing you said a while ago. And then, um, Skep, I pulled um, – I, I requested questions on Twitter. Uh, last time I looked, there were over 40 questions. I pulled about 10 of them, and so we'll kind of go rapid fire. But something had caught my ear that I, I want to go back to. As you said, it appeared to you that Lamar Jackson was not motivated to get this deal done. Um, number one, well, I guess the big question is, is why? Why do you think that is? Um, in my In my opinion, this is just my opinion, it could be for a few different reasons. And I think the biggest one and the most obvious one is for financial reasons. Uh, up to this point, there's been a bit of disappointment uh, in the way seasons have ended through through injury and just performance, not through just the team overall, but even Lamar Jackson would admit as much. And 
Lamar Jackson wanted wants to feel very comfortable and confident that he's getting his full value, not his value based upon the events of recent years. I think Lamar Jackson, if you were to sit him down, he'd pass a lie detector test every day of the week if you asked him, do you think you're better than the way your seasons have ended these last three years? He'd be like, heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah, I'm better than that. And so how good you think you are is what you're walking into negotiations and demanding based upon. And so if you think you're on level nine, but performances and results have been at a six, seven, you might leave behind a point or two and you may not be interested in that. And so no sense of urgency for him. You have to understand he's making $23 million a year now. Yeah, he technically could be making a, a whole lot more, but he's why wouldn't he be good making twenty three yeah. million? You know, it's not like he has an EBT card this year. Uh, he's doing just fine. Um, and so there's no pressure. And the other thing is, is that the economics of it all is the TV deals that are going to be coming and the, the cap keeps going up. And so if he's talking to a, the negotiating party being the Ravens and they have a cap that's here. Hey, man, they can only give you based on the cap they know they're working with. Now, if you talk to them in a year and that number is a little bit higher, then you could tap into some of that money as well. And so they're not as restricted with their flexibility. So I, I think the biggest thing is it's financial, um, but it's also tied to past performances. It's interesting as you as you talk, it reminds me of. Steve Bashotti, when he said, and everybody lashed onto this, that he said he was like kind of being the psychologist saying, I feel like Lamar doesn't feel worthy until he wins the Super Bowl. So I don't like the worthy word because, of no. course, Lamar Jackson is is worthy. And then Lamar Jackson himself said, yeah, I feel like I'm worthy. However, is it possible that Steve Bashotti just used the wrong word? But But what was he trying to say what you just said, which is that he knows his whole full value. He knows his, he knows his top value or he feels he like he believes what his top value is. And he feels like until a season ends in the way that he wants to, you know, you're not getting top. He's not getting top value until he ends it the way he wants it to end and every, and, and the way it can end with his talent. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. So you got to look at it this way, Sarah, if, if Lamar Jackson's walking into that meeting and again, he says, I'm level nine talent. Lamar Jackson doesn't need that much of an imagination to say he's a level nine talent. But he also knows that from the Ravens standpoint, your imagination is cute. It's cool. It's nice. But we <laughs> aren't going to go off solely off of your imagination. We're mm. going off of results. And so we might consider some of your imagination, but mostly results. And so... Lamar Jackson may be at a nine and they may say, yeah, we're seeing 7.8. And so there's a difference there. And so it's removing that doubt. It's removing a doubt. And the way that you don't rely or ask uh, the Ravens to have to have an imagination, you create that reality. And so you don't have to say, this is what I can be. You say, you saw what I did. That's who I am. He could say yeah. he could say that on a micro level. Like Lamar Jackson could say that Cleveland Browns game when I left out the game, the lead dis disappeared, and I came back out of the restroom and put us back up. That's me. He could say, what I did to the Chiefs this year, that's me. He could point to so many different moments and say, that's me. Uh, coming back against the Colts, that's me. Mm. But on a macro level, 
are you a champion? Are you dominating the playoffs? You know, it doesn't. Everybody doesn't get to win the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. you can still be dominant in the playoffs without winning the Super Bowl. And he can't say that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, he can't say that yet. Um, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But not he wants yet. to say it, that. And that doesn't mean that, like, the playoff losses, a lot of outsiders will put all the playoff losses on him, which is ridiculous. There are complex reasons for for losses. I mean, football is one of the most complex sports ever. It's the biggest team sport. So, like, you know, there's complex reasons for it. But if I had to be pushed into giving a simplified answer, a dumbed-down answer, that I think if it was the biggest, you know, thread between it all, it would be the offensive line. But I agree with you. Lamar hasn't performed in the playoffs and taken over a playoff game the way he has taken over uh, some of these regular season games like the Colts. Now, he needs people to catch balls to do it. I do remember him (laughs) with some drops in that Titans game, but but I agree with you. I I don't feel like Lamar has played his best in the playoffs yet. That doesn't mean I don't think he can do it, but I don't think he's done it yet. But it's very interesting because – you you talking about the Ravens saying, well, I don't want to leave it to my imagination. I'm, I'm willing to go so far with you on the imagination. Um, but we've seen this dance before. And so this is another thing where we already know Bashadi's been down this road because it was with Joe Flacco, where they offered him a, you know, a pretty good contract. I th- I'm trying to remember what the reports were on it. But, but he was – Steve Bashotti was fine paying more in the end once he didn't have to have an imagination anymore. Yeah, He's like, you know what I mean? And so if that's what it's going to take, that's what it's going to take. But I tell you what, personally, based off of what I've seen, as good as Flacco was in the playoffs, I mean, hello, January Joe. Um, to me, if there was somebody that you could say, I'm going to give more of my percentage of my roster or my salary cap to, it's it's Lamar because I've seen Lamar can carry the team. And now I guess maybe Bashadi's like, well, let me just see you carry the team in the playoffs, maybe to your point there. Um, and so, listen, it's easy for me to say, sitting here on a podcast, hey, Lamar can do it, but I don't have to put up the millions of dollars. <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. So, like, and that's the thing is, like, fans will get super upset, and it's like, just pay the man, give him a blank check. But it's like, and you could even say, well, he's a billionaire. He can afford it. I hear all of that. And at the same time, Steve wants to be a winner too. And and he knows the numbers. And he says to himself, 
listen, I got to see if I'm going to give up this much money that I can see you carry it in the playoffs. So again, it's easy for us to say, but once you got to put that money up, it's a whole other story. I don't care if you're a billionaire or not. <laughs> well, I like to speak an analogy. Here's a quick analogy, Sarah. If somebody told me they were going to sell me a Lamborghini, okay, um, but they wanted me to pay $800,000 for his Lamborghini. But one of the things I was most interested in is what's the get up? Zero to 60 in what? Four seconds? I want to know. That's what I'm looking for. And they say, hey, mm -hmm. believe me. Well, for $800,000, I'm not about to believe you. You need to let me sit in this thing. I need to see it. Do that. But if you're going to send me a Lamborghini, you'll give it to me for $55,000. All right. I'll take your yeah. word for it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, on the outside, that's still a Lamborghini. But the performance that I'm looking for, I will... I'll sleep easier at night knowing I have a Lamborghini that's zero to 60 in six, seven seconds, but only pay 55,000 for it. And so I don't imagine Lamar's giving those kinds of discounts that would right. allow Bashadi <laughs> to say sight unseen, let's just go for it. Let's do this. No. Right. Well, and now that we're speaking with analogies, I've heard you give the analogy of the moon before. Can you give us that one too? Can I oh, tee you up on that wow. one? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I, 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 I would like to think that, that my wife, is, is worth the moon. Um, but if she ever asked me to prove that to her, uh, I will fall short. Um, I will balk at that. Um, she will not end up with the moon in her possession uh, because it's some things are easier said than done. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's verbal respect and then there's reality. There you go. There you go. And all of us on Twitter and on podcasts, all we got to do is verbal respect. That's easy. Oh, yeah. That's oh, easy. Yeah. Pay the yeah. man, blank check. We say all those types <laughs> yeah. of things. And that's easy to do. Yeah. Um, but as much as Bashadi's a billionaire, he became a billionaire because he watches his money. Yeah. He's, and not a billion a at a time. That's right. Both he and Lamar are shrewd businessmen, and I respect them both for it. So, uh, all right, let's move into these Twitter questions here. I grabbed 10, so we'll try to go through some rapid fire here. Uh, the first one is from um, at Big Trust UK, and he says, why TF would you, would they even make the statement, the one that I read up top, seems odd a team would say, well, we tried and failed. Sorry, guys. What do you think, Skip? Um, I just uh, put it put at ease the fans who may think that they didn't share our disappointment. They know the fans are disappointed that it didn't happen. And they just want the fans to know, hey, we tried. Um, we we didn't get to where we wanted to get to. Hey, but there's more positive stuff to look forward to. And we will just continue this later. So, I mean, I think that made sense. Yeah, it stops like the wondering and all that. And I also think it's... Um... I feel like this statement needed to come from Eric DaCosta. I don't feel like it would have been fair to make John Harbaugh do it. He's the head coach. He John Harbaugh has to answer for a lot on the field, and uh, and he can. He can, but this this has been negotiated with Eric DaCosta. So, number one, I think the announcement needed to come from him. Number two, I, not only do I think it helps protect a little bit John Harbaugh in, in these pressures to make those announcements, he can react to it, but also protects Lamar. Um, you know, the other day – when a reporter had asked Lamar, uh, you know, or basically assumed that the deadline had passed on Wednesday because that's when they turned their focus completely 100% to the Jets. And then Lamar said, uh, well, the week's not up yet. Now, that definitely gave some optimism to those that wanted to still see it done. It Even for me, it was like, is he trying to get, offer a glimmer of hope? But, you know, looking back and in retrospect, I think Lamar was just avoiding the question because he didn't want to answer it. Just like he didn't, doesn't want to answer any questions on it, even though he's 100% respectful and nice about it, but he doesn't want to talk about it. And so I think that that is a way to help both John Harbaugh 
and and Lamar Jackson having to field these questions. Plus, it needed to come from Eric DaCosta. All right, next question at Showcase OG. Any idea of the terms offered? Would love to know how far off they are and if a fully guaranteed deal is the hurdle. Wouldn't um, you like to know? Wouldn't, wouldn't we all like to know? Yes, all of our nosy selves, we want to know. <laughs> Listen, all we got is reports. I said it up top that um, that uh, the report is that they offered more than Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray got a five-year, $230 million contract, $189 Point five guaranteed, 189 million, by the way, guaranteed. Mm. Um, and then after Russell Wilson, like I said, there is report that the Ravens improved their offer. Uh, just for the we know, Russell Wilson signed a five-year deal, 242. So that was 12 million more than Kyler Murray, but it had less guarantees, about uh, almost 30, 30 million worth less in guarantees. And they both beat Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun's Watson's was fully guaranteed. <laughs> So we say uh, at 230 million. So Deshaun Watson beats them both in terms of guaranteed money. So, but Skep, we don't know how far off they were because a, let's say we can even trust those reports. We don't know what Lamar wants. Not at all. Not at all, Sarah. Um, one of the things that that people make the assumption of is that Lamar Jackson compares himself to Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson faced Deshaun Watson in college without a team filled with NFL players and went toe-to-toe with him. So I don't think it's highly unlikely that Lamar Jackson looks at Deshaun Watson and says, I'm every bit that guy is, and maybe then some. So he shouldn't be above me. That Lamar Jackson doesn't even think he needs to look to see what Deshaun Watson is going to get paid to determine what he's worth. On the on on the surface, you might say, well, there's a $40 million range between Kyler and where Deshaun was. But who's to say look, going into negotiations without Deshaun ever getting his contract, Lamar thought he was worth 235 We hmm. don't know. You know, it's possible that Lamar had a number in his head and Watson had nothing to do with it. We don't know. If we knew, it would make all of this so much easier to deal with and understand. All right. At Rob P. Jr. says, what's the logical happy medium agreeable to both sides, striking a balance between a player receiving what he's worth versus the team's need to field a competitive roster? So we already said that happy medium, we don't know because we don't know what Lamar wants. So, Skep, to you, can you speak to the second part of this idea of, like, balancing from a from a team perspective, the, the team having to balance what the player wants and what he feels he's worth versus the team's need to field a competitive roster? Well, that's a little bit complicated. I'll, I'll say this. Um, generally speaking, the the organization has to look out for itself because the organization is going to last longer than the player in a, any situation. And so they have to look at their long-term viability, and there's going to be 60, 70-plus other players besides any one guy they're negotiating with that will be affected by any money given to anyone. So that's generally speaking. The reality is, though, is that I've been asked, well, well, if you give Lamar Jackson all this money, then uh, how are you going to fill the team around him? And I say, well, last year, who was around him and what did he do? <laughs> you want you want to know how many players Lamar Jackson's worth? How many were out last year? How much money was in the training room resting up? You know, I it's not hard to imagine that uh, a general manager 
with limited financial capital to spend on additional players to support Lamar Jackson will still be successful at his job because Lamar Jackson is still going to get that GM some wins. And so it's different. It is incredible how much money was in that training room between (laughs) Marcus Peters. He's a big ticket item. Ronnie Stanley, big ticket item. Nick Boyle was a pretty big ticket item. I mean, your first round draft pick, (laughs) you know, it was not money, but it's your assets that were in there. I mean, it's, it's unreal. So it's a good point. Now I would say, I will add this. And I said this on a, on a preview pod uh, the other day, uh, but I'll say it more succinctly. Um, I was asked, what's the highest percentage of a cap has a quarterback taken and also won the Super Bowl? So I had already had that information. I had looked it up from the last 10 years. So this is 2011 to 221. The highest a quarterback had taken was 12.4% and won the Super Bowl. Not surprisingly, that was Tom Brady. And um, now there were I think two or three, I mean, definitely Top Brady kept winning and he was always around that um, range. Uh, I think there were two or three other quarterbacks that were just under that, like in the 11 to 12 range. And then there were a handful of, you know, uh, quarterbacks on rookie contracts, which is kind of to Rob's point that, and that's the same way that, that um, uh, Joe Flacco won it. He was still on his rookie contract. So you, what that says to me is you either need to be a great quarterback (laughs) <laughs> or you need to be a, a quote-unquote cheap quarterback, meaning not taking up as much of the cap space. So um, to put that in perspective, Lamar's $23 million, uh will t- take up uh, a little over 11% of, of the cap. So you can only imagine what that will be when it hits, you know, $45 million if he's tagged or is somewhere in there. Uh, but, you know... Lamar doesn't care about that history, <laughs> you know? No. He's like, whatever. And, like, to your point, Skep, he did carry the team with, like, literally the team's biggest stars in the training room. Yeah, and and not only that, um, he carried the team with guys who aren't even in the NFL right now. Like, Alex Villanueva <laughs> does not play football anymore. <laughs> uh, the running back room that he had is not in the NFL right now. Like, that's crazy. I mean, the, the the things that he's been able to accomplish when you you mention the word great, that quarterback that goes above 11 percent can't just be great. You have to be maximally valuable like mm. you be able to you have to be able to overcome for the deficiencies of a bunch of other guys not being there, either not physically capable or just not on the field because anything could happen in any given season. Lamar Jackson has shown you that you will not look like an idiot if you put a lot of faith in him. So that's one thing. The other thing, Sarah, and we know this, Lamar Jackson will look at all those other guys who fell while making more than 11% and he'll say, those guys weren't me. And we also know that Lamar Jackson more than likely will look at that list and say, if it hasn't been done before, then I'll be the first. That's the way top notch athletes think. They always think they are the guy. They don't care about the failures of others who came before them. They just need to know the success is possible. And they think that if it's point zero one, they are that. Yeah. And to be honest, that, that attribute that Lamar has, and, and not all football players have it, but there are like the Ray Lewis's of the world, the Ed Reed's of the world, like that drive to be 
to care about your legacy at all times. And you are able to focus on that and let all the less important stuff just fall and not give it any attention. But I just love being around that. I love being around that where like, whatever you're doing, are you trying to be great? Or, or, or like, maybe not whatever you're doing, but is there one thing in your life, one thing in your life that you want to be great at? And see how hard it is. See how hard it is. And then you will have that much more respect for guys like Lamar Jackson, who is just a trailblazer. He's just a trailblazer. So I could see him being like, why can't I be the guy that that bucks that trend of how much percentage of, of the cap you give to me? I'm a trailblazer. I've done it everywhere else. Why can't I do it here? And you And I love that attitude. I love it. I love it. Without being cocky or narcissistic or anything like that, I love the drive to be great. It's so inspiring to me. Sarah, consider this. Last year, Lamar Jackson's offensive line injured, not there. Lamar Jackson's running back room and decimated right before the season started. Um, Top wide receiver that was drafted, not present to start the season. Um, His one of his top receivers was a guy whose injury, you know, had a lot of injuries in his career, um, but he was going to rely on this guy heavily. It would have been so easy for Lamar Jackson to mail it in and protect his health. Going into a contract year and say, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to jog to the sideline gingerly on every play. I'm not risking a sprained ankle or anything. But you didn't see a drop off in the play at all or his desire to win. Conversely, if we're all being honest, when Lamar Jackson went out, the way Hollywood Brown played appeared as if he knew there might be a chance he could get traded in the offseason and he didn't want to get hurt and get in the way of that. And so he started protecting his own health with yep. the way he played football. And that's the difference. That's what you get with the Lamar Jackson versus what you get with some other guys who also have talent. I'm not saying Hollywood has talent, but some guys are not just worried about their legacy. They're worried about their mortality and their health. And other guys just aren't like Lamar aren't worried about that. No, legacy over I- everything. There are, yes, legacy over everything. There are levels to everything. And that, I mean, this, this man is on another level. Um, all right. Um, from at spray, spraynard. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, there's a pretty resounding sentiment. He says that this is all EDC and the front office's fault for not getting the deal done. Do you think that's fair given that we have no info on what was asked for or offered or how do we interpret the lack of the deal? So what do you think? Do you think it's fair to put say, oh, this is all, you know, the Ravens front office fault. Uh, Very unfair. I mean, I think we touched on this. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of different parties involved and an EDC has a boss and and that boss has seen success in the past and he has his own vision for how to go about that success. And so it's not fair to put it on EDC and there's coaches involved and a former general manager who's in the building. Uh, No, it's not just on EDC. And then you have a player who's tight lipped. He's different. He's motivated in ways that you may have never seen before. So, no, that's not fair at all. Not EDC, yeah. not the front office. Yeah. I just I just hate the, the demonizing of it all. It's, yeah. Well said. I don't even need to add anything more to that. All right. Uh, Justin, hashtag Ravensflock, asks, who on the roster will be the free agents after this season, and how will franchise tagging Lamar affect bringing those guys back. So, um, Justin, there are in total 20 free agents, but that includes the 
undra or the unrestricted free agents, the restricted free agents, and the um, uh, exclusive rights free agents. So um, there's actually not a ton of big names, especially in that un um, dr- uh, unrestricted. I keep wanting to say undrafted because we're talking about Ross all the time recently. Okay, so unrestricted free agents. Uh, the biggest name though is is Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters and I. Uh, that one. That one's that one's too bad. And there's a lot of others that are currently on one year deals. There's uh, Demarcus Robinson, Josh Bynes, um, just the list goes on and on. Which, you know, tagging Lamar wouldn't prevent them from bringing those lower contracts. I, Justin Houston's one. I guess he's the second most, the, the second one out of all this list that would be the most expensive to be back. But other than Marcus Peters, but the good news is, and that is the good news, is that if the Ravens and Lamar could come to a deal, the the stars everywhere everywhere else are in your left tackle is in on a long-term deal your your other franchise corner marlon humphrey is in he's on a long-term deal Uh, your lamar jackson's favorite target mark andrews is in on a long-term deal and then you got a lot of young guys still on their rookie deal so i mean the roster is mostly set you got to polish it in and off but all those guys are in so now you just bring if you could just get lamar in you're good to go um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, but I would hate to, to lose Marcus Peters. Yeah. My, my stomach twisted in a knot when you mentioned that he's a free agent. Uh, so I don't want to lose Marcus Peters either. I, I think he's an important piece. His style of play is necessary. Uh, I love his style of play, but, uh, on top of that, we also have Marcus Williams, the free safety. He's locked yep. up for a couple of years. So yep. that, that, that's good news. Um, yeah, I, I think this this situation is one where I would love for them to have the money freed up so that they can go after those future Marcus Peters type players who become mm-hmm. available in the middle of a season. And if both parties are willing, you could actually pull the trigger on it. I don't want the the EDC to have his hands tied and be unwilling or unable not unable to actually bring in those types of players because if you could add another Marcus Peter value type of player with a year's more worth more of growth of these young players next season oh man yeah oh magic yeah and no you make a good point though you don't want that money to dry up in season we saw the two extremes with that where you know, um, EDC had the money midseason to bring in Marcus Peters, and I'm forgetting the pass rusher he traded for in the middle of the season. He never worked out. Inyako? Yannick um, Ngakwe. Yon- yeah, I was like, I was totally <laughs> off. Thank you. Yannick Ngakwe. Um, that one didn't turn out, but point being is he had the money to do it. And then last season, uh, there was a trade report. Was it reportedly, or did Eric admit to this? I can't remember. Uh, but there was a trade he wanted to do. Um, but didn't have the money. He had the draft assets, but didn't have the money. So this year, he's actually in a good position. He's exactly number 16 with draft ca- um, the cap space left. He's at about, he's just above $5 million. That's solid cushion in case you need injury signings or if you want to do a trade. Uh, or, heck, OBJ, anyone? <laughs> like, I know he was on the sideline, Skip, for the LA Rams game Thursday night, but. Um, he hasn't seen us yet. Yeah, he hasn't seen us yet. He hasn't so seen us yet. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where both teams are at based off of the way the Rams were looking, uh, you know, against against um, 
the Bills, if the Ravens are able to pull off a win, maybe maybe OBJ's like, oh, okay, maybe I'll go over there instead. We have a few um, weeks. When, once he gets healthy, exactly. All right, at BlanketMan77, um, is there any chance that this statement was a negotiating tactic by EDC and there's still a chance it could get done this afternoon slash weekend? I wish I could give you optimism, blanket man, but no, this was not a tactic. This is, this is real. This is, this is not a drill. Yeah, <laughs> this is <yeah>. real life. <laughs> uh, let's just move on to the next one here. Skep, I'll give you this one. Carlos um, asks if officials say, if officials say the Watson deal had no bearing on the extension, he's talking about Ravens officials. Does Burrow and Herbert, does their future deals have anything have any I'm trying to see how he's saying this, any cause to concern that they'll price themselves out of Lamar? Um so Skep, what do you think? Do you think those deals could price Lamar out of out of Baltimore? Uh well, the fact that they have agents makes me feel very confident that their hopefully competent agents would not move before Lamar Jackson. They would let Lamar Jackson set the mark and then try to top that because Lamar Jackson's situation is more urgent. The Ravens need to make something happen. They have to make a decision. And, you know, Herbert has time. Burrow has time. So why why be in a hurry to lose money? I think right now, Josh Allen and his very competent agent, I would assume, probably kicking themselves in the hips. Because uh, that, <laughs> that fella, it seemed all cute to go nice and early and get locked up nice and early. But uh, that man left many millions on the table by doing that. So, oh, could you imagine if he just waited one like oh, Lamar? just one more? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah, stupid money, more. stupid oh. money. If he just waited till after that playoff performance and just walked right into somebody's office right right after they got eliminated against the Chiefs, that dude would have gotten so much money, it wouldn't have been funny. Well, on this topic, so it's very interesting because just like you said, if if Burrow and Herbert's agents are smart, they'll wait. I'm sure Bashadi would like them to go sooner than later because if they go ahead and go and they go the Russell Wilson route and the Kyler Murray route and not get fully guaranteed money, then and Bashadi feels like he can dig in a little bit more and be like, see, and again, we're assuming based off of reports that the fully guaranteed money is the, or the guaranteed money is the sticking point. That's what we're assuming. So if that is, of course, Bashadi wants Burrow and Herbert to go and have their agents not get fully guaranteed money because then it just helps Bashadi stick his feet in more. Now, whether that will mean anything to Lamar, <laughs> like, I don't know, because yeah, yeah. Lamar seems – Lamar is negotiating with, like, no fear, and that's where he gets his <laughs> leverage. He's just got he just got no fear whatsoever. This is a great place. And I just want to say to Carlos that the, the Ravens – the Watson deal 100% had bearing on this negotiation in my view uh, because he set a new a new precedent. And, but what I think what the Ravens were saying was that they're not going to negotiate like the Cleveland Browns. And I got to say for all of those who are like saying, you know, Lamar deserves more than Deshaun Watson, 100% he does. 100% he does based off of what he does on the field and for how he represents the franchise and what he does off the field. 100% deserves more. At the same time, at the same time, that doesn't mean that the Ravens should start conducting business like the desperate Cleveland Browns. Like we see what happens to those guys year in, year out. It's like once in maybe a decade, they make it to the playoffs. So when you come at me saying, 
oh, the Ravens should just beat, you know, the Watson deal. I'm like, listen, I get it from Lamar's perspective, sure, but in no way would I advise any franchise on this planet to follow anything that Cleveland does. (laughs) Like, just just straight up. Sarah, to that, my moon analogy, my my wife deserves the moon. Um, But uh, I I have a few issues with being able to get it down here to earth to her. Um, But I'll tell you this. If my wife told me that she was going to leave me, um, I might rent a U-Haul and talk to Elon Musk and see what I needed to do. (laughs) Maybe getting her to visit it or so. I don't know. But I would definitely start thinking outside the box, uh, even if it was nearly impossible. (laughs) You and SpaceX, I like it. I like it. Start saving up my money a little more, maybe eat out less, you know. Yeah. Whatever I got to do. Plead your case to Musk. I like it. All right. Uh, Clint. Ganaway asks, or Ganaway, uh, with a likely franchise tag after the season, how will that affect negotiations moving forward? I just think we kind of answered this. I just think it means that um, the Ravens will use it as a tactic to extend negotiations. Um, but they better be ready. They better be ready. You can't just slap that tag on and hope that a deal gets done. You need to free up the cap dollars. And so they're going to have to free up around 45 million cap dollars because if you still can't get a deal with Lamar, you got to figure out how to field the team with that. So there's no bluffing with this. You no. get ready to go. You get ready to play with 45 million off the cap. Um, but they're going to use it as a tactic to extend the negotiation period. Well, I mean, the good news is, is EDC is going to have a whole season season to think about how to go about doing that. And I like EDC's chances because it's not just EDC, him, Bashadi, um, Ozzy. They're going to have an opportunity to figure out what the game plan is going to be moving forward. And all that stuff's going to be super crystal clear by uh, next March, no doubt. All right. We got two more questions left and we'll wrap up. Laid back Big Al. He asked, do you think the fact that he doesn't, meaning Lamar, doesn't have an agent affected the negotiations? Me personally, I do believe it did. What do you think, Skip? Um, I don't think it affected the outcome of the negotiation. Um, I think that what Lamar and his camp decided and what the Ravens have decided based on their own value and protection of their business, uh, I think the negotiation outcome would have been similar or the same. But I do believe it did affect the negotiation as far as how often the Ravens front office could meet with Lamar's representation because Lamar's representation wouldn't have to go throw footballs with Prochet and Duvernay down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could instead meet with uh, the front office. So yeah, the amount of times they could meet and trying to figure it out could have happened a little bit more, obviously, but the outcome probably would have still been the same or could have been right. the same. Right. I totally agree. I mean, again, agents, while they do advise their clients at the end of the day, they're representing their clients wishes. And so, you know, I don't think, again, knowing Lamar, don't we know by now he's different and he's confident and he, and he does what Lamar does. And so there are, there just a mere presence of an agent, you know, would that have made it so the deal would have been done? No, there are plenty of players that have agents and play on their fifth year of their rookie deals. There are plenty of players with agents that get tagged. There are plenty of players with agents that get tagged a second time. Well, not plenty on that one. That one's definitely more rare. But (laughs) point being, like an agent doesn't prevent this from happening. No. Um, at, at, 
at all. So, but I agree that it did affect it in other ways. So let's, let's end on this one, Skep. This is from Stephen Barrett. He says, I've only got one question. Is this the last season of Lamar with the Ravens? Unless the Ravens pull a Browns and move to a whole new city, I would expect that that relationship that I talked about earlier uh, will continue because they are amazing with each other. And uh, there's very little reason to stop that or discontinue that relationship. And I think they both know it. I think they both know it. Mm -hmm. So, no, I don't think this is the last season. Um, But I also thought a deal would be done by now. When when last season ended, I thought by now we would have a deal. So (laughs) take that for what it's worth because I feel like I'm pretty good at predicting the Ravens. I'm not as good at predicting Lamar. So we we shall see. So, Skip, I – so appreciate you coming on today. Short notice. Uh, it's, it's been a long day um, for reasons that, that fans don't know, but I appreciate everything you've done. <laughs> uh, tell fans one more time where they can find you. Uh, first off, I guess you could you could find me on Twitter at Skeptigoat on Twitter, um, but you could also find me on my podcast, uh, Skep and Noko Talk. And uh, you can find my co-host Noko on Twitter. Uh, at Noco Talks. That's N O C O Talk. All right. Well, I'm. I mean, it's just been an absolute treat having you on. I love your mind. I love your rational mind. I love the way you go about uh, thinking about things. I think you have a unique perspective as a player. Um, and so much appreciation for you coming on. Just, just a great, great treat. So, uh, all of you listening, you can also look out for other podcasts that have come out. Uh, we we're recording this Friday night at eight 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 oh three. Earlier today, we we put up a, a morning vault, um, and then we also put up a preview for the Ravens Jets games, or the, the preview to the Ravens Jet game. There's not going to be multiple of them. Uh, and then we will be back. I'll be back with Bobby after the game to have an instant reaction to what goes down there. So be sure to come back, listen to all those pods, and we appreciate you listening to The Ravens Vault.